guys today, and we have our theme verse for the year up here on the screens. I'd like you guys to look at that verse, read it aloud with your hefty outdoor voices, which your parents never let you use indoors, but we are allowed to use them indoors here. Come on, say it with me. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in the season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Are you in? y'all so much. It's the final quarter of 2015. We're officially here. It's October and it got cold outside, right? you know, cold for Texas. Uh, we're, we're excited about that. Uh, we, really one of the things that we're learning this year is we're moving beyond just saying that, that scripture to believing it and doing it. And we're calling this really the positive abundance perspective. And that's something that I'm trying to live by. Uh, this weekend's been fun for me. My folks have been in town. My mom and my dad, they're visiting. Dad, mom, would you guys stand up? Stand up. These are some amazing, awesome people. Would you just love them for me? I love them so much. Uh, my dad My dad began pastoring the year I was born. And dad is my hero. He's my mentor. Uh, we went out. We went out on yesterday morning to shoot clays and we had a terrific time my boys and I uh, my wife didn't go and my mom didn't go I don't know why they didn't want to shoot but I just thought well okay this is our loss but we went out and had, had a lot of fun but dad was talking about his time in the Korean War and talking about how, how they would just just you know just about all the things you shoot when you're when you're overseas and, and in the war and he also told stories about pastoring and and all the things like there and he, he never shot anybody while pastoring but uh, but it was but it was Israel interesting it, but but one of the stories it's kind of interesting because then the stories kind of evolved into just stories about guns and pastoring and and, and then and so my dad shares a story with us and this this happened when I was about five years old I was in my dad's church and and this big guy comes busting through the back doors and he's carrying in his double barrel shotgun. Uh, it was during a time of corporate communion at the end of the service, and and you know they we, they didn't have the uh, the security like we would have here today. They didn't have a police officer watching out, and so here he comes in with his gun and is walking down the aisle, and he he says in his slurred speech, he says, "Where do I check in my gun?" And and this is one of those moments they don't train you in college on how to deal with that. When the guy comes in, the drunk guy comes in with his shotgun and walks down the aisle and asks him where to check in the gun. Well, fortunately, one of the quick-thinking ushers jumped up and said, said, well, you check it in right here. Went over to him and checked in the gun. It's like, okay, I, new, new ministry for me. Ushers, you never know what's going to come your way. And uh, Dad decided, well, I, I'm not going to let this ruin the service, so he decided to go through with this time of communion in spite of the... Uh, bizarre interruption, and and as the communion elements they were being distributed, th that very special guest was at this point sitting down, and communion elements came his way, and he loudly yet 
politely exclaimed, said, said uh, no, no thanks, I don't need any more to drink. I've already had plenty today. <laughs> it's just, it has a way of just kind of making church interesting. And, and the truth is that guy already had his abundance. And so he was just willing to share with everybody else that day, uh, which kind of leads into my abundance theme. I don't know how that fits with abundance, but it kind of works a little bit. But, but uh, we're learning that abundance is the opposite of the negative scarcity uh, mentality and that perspective. That, that negative scarcity perspective is where you hunker down and you feel like the victim and you're controlled by fear and you get easily offended. And just want to remind you guys, that's not God's plan for your life. God doesn't want that for you and I don't want that for you. So what we really need to do is take a fresh look at this whole concept of what abundance is. And, and one of the things we've learned, and this, is, this has been really good, it's been even helpful to me to learn this, to memorize this, is this definition of abundance. It's really abundance is not having everything we want, but what we need. It's, it's about having what we need so that we can actually keep abounding in the work of God. That's, that's really true abundance. See, when we have that attitude, uh, there, there's no panic, and we don't have to have stress and fear and anxiety or worry about provision. And, and honestly, I, I want you to know this. It could be provision of any type. It could be the provision of security that you need, or maybe the provision of love, provision of peace or finances or food or transportation, or just really whatever you need. Paul put it this way in the scriptures. He said, God is able to bless you abundantly. There's the word. He's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound, there's the word again, in every good work. And that's, that's a pretty good deal. So basically is that we keep our good works going and God blesses us abundantly so that we can keep abounding in our good works. Abundance is action oriented. It's not a state of mind. It's not some mental ascent or a special formula for your prayers. The abundant secret is this. I call it the can-do spirit. Do is a verb. You know, you're, it's, you're, it means you're going to take action. The can-do spirit basically takes action on life this way. It says the glass is half full. We don't look at it as the glass being half empty. And today, as I, as I wrap up this really important uh, subject, I'm talking about positive life management. And it's really about managing your life in such a way where you can live in peace. And I'm just telling you, Peace is something we all need. Peace literally means quietness and rest. It means quietness and rest in your emotions and in your mind and in your body. And as city folks, this is a message we really need to hear. That's what I want. I want that for all of us. It's, that's what I need. Truth is, sometimes life can go crazy and it doesn't feel very peaceful. It can actually seem kind of crazy. Uh, as we were talking about guns and stuff of life the other, yesterday with Dad, uh, Dad uh, told the story. I said, Dad, tell the story about when the, when the guy came to the house and, and said, oh, sure, sure. Uh, Dad started telling the story of, of something that happened. And I was, I was about seven or eight years old and I was out in the yard uh, playing and and, uh, and 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 dad and mom come home in the station wagon and they had it full of groceries and dad opens the door and he yells at me in the front yard he said Timmy 
That's what he called me. You can't call me that. He can, but he doesn't call me that. Timmy, get in the house now. And when dad yells like that, it's just like, oh. I, I, I didn't argue with him. I didn't say, but dad, I'm having fun. I'm playing under the willow tree. Dad, I'm shooting locusts with my BB gun. No, 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 no. Just like, get in the house now. Well, when dad speaks, you, you know, and, and my mom comes running in the house, and then some, some car comes like right into the driveway right behind my dad, and, and dad goes over to the area where he was building an addition onto our house, and, and, and dad picks up a hammer that had just happened to be out there. My dad goes out with the hammer out to the guy. And so dad had picked up a weapon. That's what he was doing. He wasn't going to hammer a nail. And, and uh, the guy came out, and, and the guy was in his car and was arguing and yelling at dad, and dad was saying, you better get off my property. And what had happened is this guy had actually tried to run my dad off the road, but he was also, my dad discovered at that point, he was intoxicated. He was drunk. And it was a mess. It was a, it was a big mess. And dad's just like, get away now from my family and my property. Now. So the guy leaves. Dad comes in and, and we, we, we rush to bring in the groceries real quick. And, but then just about, about 10 minutes later, 10 minutes later, all of a sudden, my family, my parents started yelling, he's back. He's back. We got into the house and... and uh, and could see him coming through the window. And I remember still, I remember well him getting out of his car and standing there and looking around and closing his door. And dad spotted something that I didn't spot. He had a 44 in his belt and was walking up to the front door. And uh, at that point, dad knew he had to protect the family. So dad, being the good Texan he is, went and got his hunting rifle. Uh, he got his 308. You know, 308 beats 44. And so dad got, got the 308. And, 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 and so here's, here, and I remember so well, my dad is, is standing in you know, the, the, the doorway to the house. And there's a little window, just a tiny little window at the top of that. And, and my dad was standing at an angle and, and he was pointing his rifle toward the man as that man walked closer and closer and closer. Dad yelled at us, get into the back of the house. We were in the back where the kitchen was, yet, yet we could still see and hear what was going on. The guy was up there cursing and yelling and yelling at my dad, come out and act like a man, come on out. And, and, and my mom was on the phone there in the kitchen with the, with the sheriff trying to get someone out there and, and, and uh, trying to explain to them what's going on. Like there's a guy with a gun at our front door and, and my husband has a gun pointed at him. We have, we have a standoff, we, we could have a shootout. This is not going to be very good. And I'm, my little sister, my two-year-old sister kind of keeps walking back into the living room and I go and grab her and, and, and my mom just is, my, my dad's saying, yelling back to us, you guys just pray, pray, pray. I took the orders from dad and, and we prayed. Mom's on the phone praying, talking to the sheriff. I'm trying to take care of little sister and praying and praying and praying. As a kid, I knew how to pray, thank God. And the guy stood there for a while and dad said he was ready. You know, if the guy was to pull his gun out, Dad would have shot. Thank God that didn't happen. Um, that was a miracle right there because what the man actually did is he slowly turned around, started walking away. I remember Dad saying, he's leaving. Keep praying, he's leaving, he's leaving. He left and <clears throat> eventually started to get into his car and right at that moment, the sheriffs came and these sheriffs came and grabbed him and handcuffed him and took him away. And uh, that was crazy experience, an insane experience. We were praying for a miracle, and the truth is God intervened. I, I know God intervened that day. I watched God intervene. 
It's interesting because I, I remember my dad saying something else that, uh, that uh, a neighbor came walking out of their house and he then finally pulled his gun out and aimed it at the neighbor. And she saw it and screamed and fell down on the ground, hid behind her own car. That was right at the moment when the sheriffs arrived. But he never pulled his gun out at my family or at our home. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, I didn't feel peaceful during the standoff. Yeah. But the truth is, it really was peaceful when the guy was getting hauled off to jail. But really, the truth is, peace is something that we choose to live in. And, and, and I have a challenge, I have a specific challenge for you today, and it's to choose faith and live with peace, even if things don't feel peaceful for you in your life right now. See, peace is the opposite of worry and stress and fear. And, and if we manage our lives from this positive abundance perspective, we become the recipients of something called peace. Now, if you have a Bible today, I want you to open it or open your Bible app to Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Mark 4, 35. It's in the New Testament, the back of your Bible. In our narrative today, we're going to see this first century Middle Eastern fishing boat that's being tossed about in this fearsome, terrible storm. And, and 13 guys are on board, and, and they, they have their backpacks and all of their traveling supplies. And, and, and it really, here's the background. Jesus and his team, they had been wrapping up this, this really intense day of teaching. And Jesus was exhausted from pouring out his heart and working miracles, and he needed to get away from the crowd. He needed some quiet and some rest. And so he could see that the only way out, because they were pressing up against him, was, was to get into a boat and go to the other side of the the Sea of Galilee. It's called a sea. It's actually just a huge, huge, massive lake, but big, a big lake. Not like, not like the lakes around Texas that aren't really lakes. We call the reservoirs and that, that other people would consider ponds. But, but, uh, but this was a real huge, massive, massive lake known as the Sea of Galilee because it is so big. And we pick up on the story in this point in Mark chapter four. It says, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And so leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up. And waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern sleeping in the, on a cushion. But the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up and rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And when the wind died down and it was completely calm, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, I want you to notice something. These were very spiritual men. They loved God with all their heart, and they, but, but, but in the middle of that, they descended into this negative scarcity perspective, just like you and I would, or, or at least, let me say, I, I definitely would. And what's interesting about this story is it's, look, it's actually located in three different places in the Bible, in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and and the, these three men telling this story from their own vantage point of what happens that day really brings it to life. The, the story becomes even more robust when you read it in its context in each one of those settings from all three accounts because you learn that that particular day was a positive, abundant day for everybody involved that ended kind of strange. 
You see, these men, they had been hanging out with God in the flesh, Jesus. And some amazing things happened that day. In fact, Jesus had given them a teaching about what we've called here abundant service. This is where Jesus taught them this principle. He said, this is that day. He said, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they, they think they have will be taken from them. Which you know, he, he was wanting them to know and he was teaching his followers that when you're entrusted with something, and it's anything, whether it's time, a skill, a blessing, uh, property, family, uh, money, a relationship, a business, and when that abundance comes to you, you must be a good steward of whatever is in your hands. And you're supposed to enlarge and enhance whatever you're entrusted with. That was that principle of abundant service. It was the message that I preached a couple of weeks ago about the parable of the bags of gold. And that day they learned about abundant service. They learned that principle. They also experienced what I would call abundant power that day. That morning, Peter, which was one of Jesus' closest friends, his, Jesus went to Peter's mother-in-law's house. And, and his wife's mom was very sick with a dangerous fever. Jesus healed the fever and she got up and started serving her guests. Plus that same day, Jesus healed a lot of people and people all over the place were experiencing his abundant power. And, and the amazing thing is the abundant power wasn't just for everyone else, it was even for the families of the people that Jesus was closest to. That day they learned also about another principle. Jesus taught on another principle that day. He taught on the principle of abundant giving. Jesus taught them this, with whatever measure you use, it will be measured back to you and even more. Now, imagine a day like that, hanging out with God. <laughs> and these guys had it made it would seem. I guarantee, though, that day, they were getting into the boat with a positive abundance perspective because it had just been a stinking terrific day. But Jesus was exhausted and he needed a break, so he got into the boat and went to sleep. And he was all peaceful as they set off to sail. But the peace, as we just read, turned into chaos. And then this negative scarcity perspective all of a sudden became embraced by the team while Jesus slept and they became victims of the storm. Everything was, was just spiraling out of control and, and they were obsessed with what was in front of their face, their problem. And they, they were screaming this, we're going to drown. And now they had become victims of the weather and they were convinced they were going to die and a panic had ensued. There was no positive abundance of power available to them at that moment. All they had was the negative scarcity of hope. There is nothing. This is important. Victimization is always the result of the negative scarcity perspective. I challenge you, refuse to live life as a victim. Simply live as a victor. I want to challenge some of you to just stop licking your wounds and get up and quit seeing the world as if everyone and everything is against you. Living as a victor is actually so much more fun. It's a better approach to life. It basically means this. I've made the decision in my life that I'm going to win. Why not? Who wouldn't want that? Rather than give in to whatever bad is happening around me and I'm just going to be the loser and I'm just going to have to live in emotional chaos forever. No, refuse to be the victim. Instead, live as the victor. 
Also, I just want to encourage you on this. Don't get offended like the disciples did. They, they got offended at Jesus. They're, they're saying to Jesus, teacher, don't you even care that we drown? It's not fair. You don't love us. You know, that, those, those are the extra things I said. See, I know that because my mom reminded me today that she said, whenever things didn't go your way when you were a little kid, you would cry and say, you don't even love me. I, I would cry and do that. I said, I did not. Of course, I remember doing it. But, but I, I tried arguing with her. She said, oh, yes, you did all the time. I was like, oh, man. But, but see, that's what the disciples were doing to Jesus, just like I did when I was a kid. I was like, you don't even care. I'm going to drown. It's so, life's hard. You know, and all, it's over. See, they were offended at the leader because he was sleeping while they were working. He appeared to be detached from their pain. And they got their feelings hurt. And so they accused Jesus, very simply, of not caring. You don't even care about us. You healed all those people, but you don't even care if we drown. See, offense happens when we begin to look at people through the negative scarcity perspective. When they aren't doing what you want them to do, and they're not giving what you want them to give, or they're not acting the way that you want because you're in control of the world after all anyway, right? <laughs> you get offended. Here's my recommendation. Refuse. Just refuse to be offended. Live offense-free. And I shared this with you a couple weeks ago. I dropped the word offense from my vocabulary about 18 years ago, 15, 18 years ago. I've never used it since. I don't get offended. I don't have the energy for it. I just choose to meet life with resilience. Why waste your energy and emotions with offense? I'm telling you guys, I've tried it, and it's a lousy way to live. <laughs> Be resilient in the face of offense. And yeah, you're going to get your feelings hurt in life, and things are going to happen, and that's inevitable. But if it becomes offense, what you have done is you have parked your car in front of a stop sign, and your spiritual progress immediately comes to a halt, and without even realizing it, you're putting your car in reverse, and you're hauling off in the wrong direction. You can't even see where you're going because you're offended. And, and if you want to achieve your purpose in life, you need to be ready and resilient and responsible for your own emotions, especially when someone else does something that could pull you down. Just refuse to be offended. Live offense free. Also, another thing is I, I believe we should refuse to be afraid. <laughs> Jesus looked at his disciples after it was all over and he said, why are you so afraid? And I know it's easier said than done. And in fact, I'm confident that I would have been acting like the disciples that day. But the question Jesus asked is really the same question he asked to us today. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid of the economy? Why are you so afraid of the weather? Why are you so afraid of your boss? Why are you so afraid you're going to fail? Why are you afraid of disaster? Why are you afraid? Because God is at your side and he loves you and he wants the best for you and he cares about everything every little flaw in your life and every little detail in your life. And here's my advice, is just refuse to be afraid. Instead, live in faith. I tell you, it is a much simpler way to live. There's so much less stress in living with faith. Faith is basically the positive abundance perspective and it can change your circumstances radically and quickly. See, Jesus' disciples, they were not experiencing 
an abundance of peace because they were actually being controlled by fear and by victimization. They were being controlled by offense against Jesus. And, and Jesus, Jesus actually did come through for them in the story. Yes, he did. But I believe that it could have been a lot different. In fact, Jesus made that clear. See, the account of this incident says that Jesus not only rebuked the winds and the waves, he rebuked his disciples. Just like he does to us when we're controlled by a negative scarcity perspective. And when we begin fearing the worst, all those emotions rise up. Because when fear dominates, faith escapes. Fear's the opposite of faith. Fear is everything that faith isn't. Fear imagines and concocts the worst in your mind. And you know how your mind races and does that. And whenever we're dwelling in fear, faith escapes. And when faith escapes, this negative scarcity perspective begins to rule in our lives. And that's why I'm always challenging us. I want you to be people of faith. People who, who really, really believe that all things truly are possible through Christ to really believe it. I'm telling you guys, that's so much, it's a much more abundant way for us to live because faith is just a great way to live. It's more than just some positive frame of mind, but it involves action and it involves some gritty action at times where you just have to get down and make some things happen because action is always accompanying faith, faith actually working. It's not just thinking about it. I like to define faith as this, is to picture the impossible possibilities and take action. When I first wrote this, I wrote down, picture the possibilities and take action. And then I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> the truth is, is, we're supposed to picture the impossible possibilities and take action. So what are some of the impossible looking possibilities that could happen if God showed up in the middle of your frustrating situation of lack? Think about it. Picture those impossible possibilities happening. Now, take bold action, believing that God's actually going to come through for you. And I'm saying that will change your approach to life. It will alter your attitude. And as a result, you will simply be a person who has peace. So in other words, choose faith and live in peace. I want peace for you. No longer controlled by fear because fear is not God's plan for your life. Faith and the resulting peace is God's will for your life. And I'm convinced of that. In fact, in fact, Jesus explained the difference. He said, you know, Satan has a plan for your life and I have a plan for your life. John, John 10, 10 explains it this way. He says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. Theft, death, and destruction. That's the job description of Satan. But Jesus, he contrasted himself to that. He said, but I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more, what? Abundantly to the full. See, God has a plan for abundance. Abundance is life, the opposite of theft, death, and destruction, which we get sucked into so often. So, if that's God's plan for our life, why are we so fearful? Why do we get so stressed and worried and upset and panicked? And have we forgotten that God is present right here, right now? Jesus' disciples, they, they were all stressed out, yet Jesus, the miracle worker, and let's take it a step higher, God himself was right there physically in the boat. Physically. Wow. Think about it. Let me ask you a question. D does God know all things? Does God know what's going to happen an hour from now? 
Yeah? Before Jesus left the shore that day and climbed into the boat, did he know that a really bad storm was coming? Yeah, he did. And why did he go to sleep? It's because he had peace. He had an abundance of something that the disciples didn't have and something I want more of. I like the way David says this in the scriptures. He said, the Lord gives strength to his people. I like that. Get strong. The Lord gives strength to his people. And the Lord blesses his people with peace. Peace and strength even go together. Do you see that word blesses with peace? Peace is simply a blessing from him. Our problem is that we, like the disciples, act as, as if Jesus is aloof and he's out of the picture and he's resting on some cloud a million miles away and we're out there suffering in this storm and we're convinced that we're gonna die. And I, here, Here's one of the things I propose that we do. Let's start just acting like the God of abundance is close. Let's behave as if he is nearby. Why? Because he is. And the disciples woke up. Uh, uh, when they woke Jesus up, Jesus, Jesus said to them, he said, do you still have no faith? I mean, Jesus wanted to know very clearly that he wanted them to, to understand that their own faith could have calmed the storms. Their own faith could have done it. And he wants you to know the same today, that your own faith can calm your storm. Choose faith and live in peace. I'm I'm telling you guys, having faith and peace doesn't mean you're not going to experience storminess. Quite the contrary, you will face plenty of storms. In fact, some of you are in the middle of an aggressive hurricane right now in your life, and you know it. Nobody even understands what you're going through. But remember this, Jesus knows the storms that are ahead. He's putting you at the helm of your ship to see if you're going to handle it with faith and peace. Uh, King David, he penned these words during one of his most horrendous life storms when his own son was attempting to overthrow him and kill him. Can you imagine? He wrote these words. He said, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, Lord, Make me dwell in safety. Some of you who've been having trouble sleeping at night, even going to sleep because of these negative scenarios racing around in your mind, you need need to take that and you just need to memorize it. Because this is what I would call a positive abundance perspective nighttime prayer. It's funny, as I was looking at that, I, I, I recalled something I thought, it sounds kind of like a prayer that dad and mom taught me when I was a little boy. And it started off like this. They taught me to do this very simple, memorized prayer. It started off like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You guys know that prayer? I pray it every night. What would happen when I'd pray that? I remember I would feel peace because I knew I was being taken care of God, even with the scary pictures that I thought were on my wall when I was a kid. You guys remember that? I remember that. Humpty Dumpty was scary to me. But when I prayed that prayer, I knew that God was with me. For real. Don't make fun of me. Because we get scared of the most ridiculous things. I 
wonder if that's where that little prayer came from is David's line here, I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Here's my challenge to you. Choose faith. Live in peace. Faith is a choice. Peace is the outcome. Will you or will you not live in peace? Jesus said it this way. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Now think about that. That's the kind of peace that lets a man lay down on a cushion and go to sleep when he knows a big, bad storm is on its way. That's pretty awesome. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world does. And then he says this. I like this. This is good, guys, right here. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Some of you need to take that and, 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 and set a little reminder up to read that scripture every day this week that God wants to give you peace and you don't have to let your hearts be troubled and be afraid. In fact, what's amazing is these are some of Jesus' final words with his followers was he was letting them know, I'm gonna leave, but I'm gonna leave something with you, my peace. Jesus gives us an abundance of peace. Abundance, not lack. And I want you to accept what Jesus has given to you, that positive abundance perspective. And the truth is, you cannot imagine the change in your attitude that will happen when you begin to adopt this approach to life, when you manage your life with this. Because when other people around you are plagued with uncertainty and fear and panic and stress and anxiety, you will be able to experience peace that transcends human understanding. Hey guys, choose faith and live in peace. When we make peace with God, he also gives us his peace. And that's an overwhelming, wonderful feeling that I want everyone to experience. Would you just close your eyes for just a moment and focus internally? Would you just, everyone in the room, do this with me for a few minutes here? If you want to know this Jesus that I'm talking about, and maybe you, you, want, you know you need to make peace with God, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. And it's really very simple. If, if I'm going to have a closing prayer. And if you would like to be included in this closing prayer to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'm just going to simply ask you to raise your hand because faith is when we respond outwardly to what's happening inwardly. It's a response. It's action. God loves you so much and he died for you so that you can have life and everything can change you lift your hand if you would like to pray with me as we close today. Just lift your hand. I need Jesus. Lift your hand for me. Thanks. Who else? Who else? Okay, guys, I want everyone to stand up. Would you do this for everyone in the room? Stand up. And if you raise your hand, I want you along with the entire congregation of believers to pray these words with me. Come on, pray with me now. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Forgive my sins. Today I give up my fears and I embrace the peace that you have for me. Thank you for an abundance of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.